Well, let's pray as we look at this together. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you will help us to hear what you have to say to us tonight. Please help me to be able to communicate well and clearly and that my voice will um, last the distance uh, and, and that as we hear, you will be changing our hearts and our minds to know what it is that you have gathered us together for. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, the question that we're looking at today is that question, what is church for? It's a question about purpose, right? What's the purpose of church? Because it helps to know what the purpose of something is if you're going to use it right, right? If you're going to do with it what it's meant for. And if you know what it's for, it also helps you to, to appreciate the value of it for what it actually is meant to be for rather than thinking that it's for something else. So, for example, if I've got a, a, a chainsaw and I decide that a chainsaw is the, the right thing to be using to fix my kid's doll's house, then that might be fun. I might have a bit of an adventure with it. But you might not be surprised if I come back to you and say, well, this chainsaw is not very good. It doesn't do what it's meant to do. But the problem is not the chainsaw. The problem is that I didn't really know what it was for. I used it for the wrong purpose. And so perhaps we might end up doing something similar to that with church. If we've got the wrong idea of what it's for... We'll have the wrong idea of its purpose, and so we'll have wrong expectations about what we should be doing with it and valuing it for the wrong things or not valuing it for what we think it's for, if that makes sense. So that's what we're kind of looking at today. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we're building on what we looked at last week, which was just the question of what is church? And we came to the idea that there are two things in the Bible described as church. There is that eternal, universal church that exists around the throne of God in heaven, of God's people gathered together throughout history and around the world and for all eternity. And there is the local gathering of God's people. There is us. And... The Bible says that when we gather, we are like a mini model of what's going on up there, gathered together, by the, saved by the blood of Jesus, and, and, and we're like a, a little example of what's going on in the heavenly places. And that was, I think, a remarkable thing to, to think about when we gather together. And so, as I said, today we're taking that idea, that's what church is, and going, well, what then is church for? And the first point that I want to make is that the purpose of church is to glorify God. That's what church is for. And I think we get this out of verse 10 of that reading that we had in Ephesians chapter 3. It says this, you can see it on the screen there behind me. It talks about what God's intent is for the church. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Did you hear that? The purpose of the church is it shows the rulers and authorities of the universe in the, he- in the heavenly realms how awesome God is, particularly how wise God is. Those kind of spiritual beings that both good and evil that we don't often talk about but that are there. Ephesians, in fact, calls the devil the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Those spiritual rulers and authorities, the church somehow declares to them how great God is. 
Because they've been watching history unfold from the very beginning when God first created the world. And if they've been watching history unfold throughout that time, it's possible that perhaps God doesn't end up looking all that amazing. Because if you think about it, how easy was it for Satan to spoil God's plan for his creation? You know, page three of the Bible, and Satan has meddled in what God has, has created And he has managed very easily, it seems, to turn God's people away from him. The the creatures that God has made with his own image for a special relationship with him. And Satan just had to suggest, God doesn't want what's good for you. You He's just looking out for himself. You don't, don't listen to God. And from that moment and throughout the rest of history, that's what life is like. People and God are not exactly on the best of terms. And so the beautiful relationship that God made and that God intended for his creation, the relationship between God and us, was spoiled. It seems like God has failed. You can almost hear Satan's voice saying, you failed, God. You you, you can't do it. Love doesn't work. Your love does not work. You haven't managed to love these people well enough and and to make them love you. As good as God is, as powerful as he is, as loving as he is, has God failed? Has Satan succeeded in ruining God's creation? Well, the big answer I want to suggest here in Ephesians is no. God has not failed. Satan has not succeeded. And the reason is, if we kind of wind back a little bit in Ephesians, Ephesians talks about the unveiling of God's secret plan but God had a, had a plan throughout history and at, at one point he's he's unveiled to reveal what that is you know like when there's a some special project that's being revealed and they've got one of those little um, curtains where you pull the strings and it, and it opens to see what's behind there like a building development or a new iPhone or or a, you know something an artwork God does that he, he kind of unveils pulls back the curtain and what we discover is Jesus Jesus' death and resurrection is the plan that God has kept hidden but now revealed that 2,000 years ago, the death of Jesus has brought forgiveness for people who turned away from God. It washes away our guilt so that God welcomes us back to himself and into his family. No matter how far away from God we are, no matter how it seems there is no way we could come back to God, God has done that through Jesus. Jesus has united us back to God. And not just back to God, but also united us to each other. When we put our trust in Jesus, we become members of God's family together. With God as our father, Jesus as our brother, and so each other as brothers and sisters together in the family of God. And so there is this profound unity with God and with each other, Because of Jesus. This was the great plan that God has now unveiled and revealed through Jesus. And the end product of that, the result of that, is the church. The people that God has gathered together. United to God and to each other by the blood of Jesus as a family in the best sense that a family can be. And so despite Satan's best efforts, God has done it. 
He has brought back people to himself, united us to him and to each other. And that's what church is. It shows the universe, shows Satan and all his cronies. It shows all the spiritual powers, how wise God is. That God knows what he's doing, that things were not out of control and that God's plans could not be thwarted, however it might have looked. And so when we ask the question, what is church for? That's it. That by its very existence, it brings glory to God. Now you might have noticed that as I've been talking about this, and when we think about the purpose of church and what it's for, that's not quite the way that we normally talk about what something is for or what its purpose is. Because normally when we talk about what something is for, we talk about what do you do with it? You know, it, it's a means to an end. I've got this thing, what do I do with it? Like, like a chainsaw. You know, a chainsaw is for cutting down trees, right? Or for, or for chopping up logs. That's its, its purpose. It's a, it's a means to an end. It's not a thing that's useful just in itself being a chainsaw. If I got a chainsaw and hung it on the wall and said, that's my chainsaw, that's, that's it, then you'd, you'd go, well, you're not really making good use of your chainsaw, are you? Because that's not what it's for. It's for doing something with its purpose is beyond itself. But not everything is like that when we think of purpose. There are some things that their purpose is achieved just in being what they are. Like, for example, an artwork. What's an artwork for? Or you might say it's just for being a work of art, right? Or for, for beauty or for appreciation or for the joy that it brings to the person looking at it or maybe for the glory that it brings to the person who's made it. But it's not really a means to an end in that. You know, if someone doesn't give you an artwork and you go, well, what do I, what do, I do with it? You just hang it on the wall and, and look at it, right? That's what it's for. It achieves its purpose just by being the thing of beauty that it is, not by doing something else. And the point that I'm trying to make is that when we talk about what church is for, it's more like an artwork than a chainsaw. That is, the church achieves its purpose simply by being what it is, simply by being the thing of beauty that God has made it to be, people who are on about Jesus and his death for us and hearing those beautiful words of God's love and forgiveness and mercy and the people who love each other. That's who we are and that's what we're for. We're for being who we are. And when we be who we are, that brings glory to God. We don't need another purpose. And and the key kind of point that I want to draw out of this to begin with is that I think this challenges our common assumption about church that it needs to be useful for me in some way. You know, I need to find church helpful if I'm going to think that it's of any real value. You know, I need to needs to help me, um, encourage me, maybe or make friends with other people, or for what I can learn. I need to, church needs to be useful in, in teaching me stuff, or a place where I can do things and, and be useful for other people. You know, those are all good things. But if I think that's what church is for, and then I don't feel like it's actually benefiting me in that kind of way, then well, I'll decide that it's not useful. It's not achieving its purpose. But that's not what church is for, not primarily anyway. 
It's not a means for something else. It's just to be what it is. And I think perhaps it might be helpful in this sense to think about church in terms of family. You know, we do talk about church sometimes as family, because what's family for? You, know, you might be able to come up with some benefits of family. You know, family helps me in some way. It's useful to, to be part of a family and so on. But you don't need to be pragmatic about it, do you? Sometimes family is just about being family. You know, the goodness is just about being what it is. You know, I know that different people of us will have good or bad experiences of family, but I hope we can kind of understand the idea that family doesn't need to have a purpose beyond itself. You know, think about a, a, a family dinner, you know, like a, a family Christmas dinner where all the family gets together to have a meal together. What's the purpose of that? You know, what if I said, well, the purpose of that is, is to be fed? Right, it's because I'm hungry and I need and I need some food. That that's missing the point to a to a degree, isn't it? Because what if I said, well, I'm not going to come to family Christmas this year because I'm not really a fan of Nan's lamb roast, so I think I'll give it a miss. Or I'm I'm not hungry today. I've been to Macca's already. I've had my my big feed for the day, and so I, I don't really feel like I need another meal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give family Christmas a miss this year. Maybe I'll come back next year. You see how kind of crazy that sounds? Or, or I will just come for the meal because I'm hungry. I'll have the food and then I'll go because I'm not really into the conversation or the other stuff. Now that might happen for some of our family gatherings, but I hope we can recognise that there's something not quite right about thinking about a family meal in those kind of terms. In the same way, I hope this challenges how we think about what we think church is for. So that we shouldn't say, well, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting well fed at church, you know, in the Bible teaching or, or whatever. And so I'll just stay at home and listen to sermons online and maybe songs on Spotify and that's how I'll get what I need. Or the reverse of that, I'll just come for the sermon because that's what I find useful, that's helpful for me. But I'm not that interested in the other stuff, the, the singing or the conversation. The purpose of church is just about being the family of God, saved through the blood of Jesus and united to each other, not for what it can do for me. And so just being a church for what I can get out of it misses the point of what church is for. And I think this also speaks to those of us who are busy serving in church, but maybe have lost sight of the beauty of what church is meant to be. See, the, the point of church is, is not that it's meant to be a place for me to be able to serve. You know, I, I want to be able to be helpful. Not firstly, anyway. Serving in church should come as the fruit of the fellowship that we have together. It comes out of the fellowship that we have together, not instead of the fellowship that we have together. So again, if I think about the family Christmas uh, dinner, my family, my aunt was famous for her Christmas pudding. You know those Christmas puddings that are wrapped up in those white cloth bags and hanging for like three months or something before Christmas and that got all that buttery goodness? And my aunt used to make these. They were amazing. And we kind of had this, everyone in the family loved it. We had this kind of pudding lighting ceremony every Christmas where it would get kind of drenched in 
brandy and lit on fire, and it was, it was, it was a real event, right? Imagine if my aunt said, well, that's my contribution. I don't really need to be there for the rest of it. I'll just drop that off and go. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Or maybe I'll stick around for the lighting bit and then I'll go. There'd be something wrong with that, right? And certainly there'd be something wrong if the rest of us were okay with that. You know, that's okay as long as you bring the pudding. You know, then you can go. Well, it's the same with church. Our serving must not be instead of just being part of the family. And so, for example, just turning up on the weeks that I'm doing something misses the point again of church. There is something beautiful about just being the gathering of God's saved people and the fellowship that we have together because of it. Even when we do it badly, even in our our brokenness and our mistakes, even when we burn the Christmas dinner, so to speak, it is still a beautiful thing that brings glory to God because of who we are. That's the first point that I wanted to make, and that's really quite significant, I think, in thinking about what church is for, but we haven't quite got the whole answer yet. Because it doesn't take long to notice that our church, and in fact any church around the world, is not really the finished product. We've got a long way to go. We are not yet that perfect gathering of God's people gathered around the throne of God that we will be for all eternity. As we heard last week, in some senses we are a reflection, a model of that. But we're also a work in progress. We're like an unfinished building looking towards what we will be. And so there is another purpose, a temporary purpose that we should have as we gather as church, and that is to build ourselves. The purpose of church is to build itself. So have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and this should appear on the screen there. So Christ himself gathered, sorry, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So works of service so that the church, the body of Christ, may be built. And again, verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as I said, in some ways, the church is like a building, but an unfinished building, or a slightly broken down building maybe as well. And so our purpose is to build ourselves, helping us, helping each one of us to trust Jesus more and to love each other better and for more people to join us. And so while we have that eternal purpose just to glorify God by who we are, we also have this temporary purpose to build ourselves. And that includes kind of building ourselves up, we might say, encouraging and strengthening us to trust and love more. That's what we're on about. And also kind of building out, you know, get, having more people gather as we grow together, which is kind of like two elements of, of renovating a house, right? You might renovate a house because part of it's broken or not working properly, like an old bathroom that's leaking, and, and so you renovate that to build a new bathroom. Or you might renovate to extend, to add on a bedroom or, or a living space. That's kind of like the building that we do as church. We want to strengthen 
We want to fix what's broken and strengthen us to be, to be trusting Jesus more. And we also want to grow out and expand as more people come to join us. And I think what this does is it does then add back in a bit more of a practical edge, practical focus to how we do what we do and what we should be on about. Because we do want to do stuff in a way then that will be helpful for other people. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, but notice that it's still not about what's going to be helpful for me. Let other people worry about that. Our focus is to be helpful what's, what's helpful for other people. But here's the thing. These two purposes that we've been talking about, to, to glorify God and to build ourselves, they're not in conflict with each other because the church is built and God is glorified when we be who we are, when we be what God has made us to be. That is simply when we gather as God's saved people and when we let the blood of Jesus that speaks those beautiful words of God's love and forgiveness and mercy, when we let that be what we are on about. That glorifies God and it builds us up. And the same goes for when we love each other. That glorifies God and it builds us up. And so these two purposes, the eternal and the temporary purposes of church, work perfectly together. Let me just finish with an example of what I'm talking about. Singing. Our singing in church doesn't need really to have any purpose other than just praising God. We praise God and that, and that brings glory to him. And we will sing of how good God is, particularly because of what he's done for us in Jesus for all eternity. And there's an example of that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. That song of the people gathered around the throne of God, that's a song that we will sing for all eternity. And we won't get sick of it because we will be so overflowing with joy with just how good God is. And we're told to do that same thing now, simply to praise God in thankfulness to him. So Ephesians, again, chapter 5 this time, verses 19 and 20 says this, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. We sing giving thanks to God. We praise him and we thank him as we sing. I've got a friend who is kind of somewhat has a reputation for singing out of key. Everyone who's anywhere near him in church knows that he's not the guy you listen to to work out what the tune of the song is because he has no tune at all. But he loves the expression in the Bible, make a joyful noise to the Lord, because that's about all he can do. He just makes a joyful noise, but it's coming from the heart. He's praising and thanking God joyfully. And that's wonderful. And it does bring glory to God when he does that. But those same words that we sing to God also should be aiming to build up the people around us as we sing it. So we're not just singing to God, we're also singing to each other. You notice it says there, sing to one another. We're singing to each other to remind 
each other and to encourage each other about how awesome God is and about what he has done for us so that we trust him more, so that we love him more, so that we live the way that he wants us to live and that we love the way that he wants us to love. And so when we sing in church, it's not just a me and God thing. You can do that by yourself. You can put Christian songs on Spotify and listen to that and please do that. But when we gather together, it's an us thing. We sing these words to each other and for the benefit of each other. And so, of course, then we want to sing songs where the words are actually helpful for each other to understand what God has done for us and to remind each other of what God has done for us. And we want to sing with tunes that are actually easy to sing and helpful to sing because we're singing for the glory of God and to encourage the people around us. And those two ideas go perfectly hand in hand. And you can kind of apply that similar idea to you know most of what we do in church, really. That using those two purposes of what church is for. The eternal purpose to bring glory to God and the temporary purpose to build ourselves up and to grow ourselves. And as I said, they fit together. Because the thing that does one, the same thing that does one, also does the other. It just might make us more practical in the way that we focus on the people around us as we do it. So next week, that's what church is for. Next week we're going to take this idea and we're going to think about, well, what then does that mean for what my involvement in church should be and what a healthy church should look like? We're going to do that over the next two weeks. Let's pray that. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you will help us to see what a beautiful thing it is that you have done Uh, by gathering us to be your people and that just by who we are that brings glory to you and help us to want to do that and father may that change how we value church and also how we seek to use that to build up the people around us in jesus name amen